0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors I'm on the mic with you. It's Saturday, story time with Buster. We are in chapter four of a white stone uh, written by my friend Jim Corbett. I uh, met him when we were in Durango, Colorado, in the late nineties. Uh, this book was written in the nineties. Um, remember, we left uh, train and and our and our minister Tom uh, at his architectural firm while uh, things were just really. Uh, Heating up as train was uh, having revival basically in the architectural firm things will never be the same again So we're gonna pick this up in chapter 4. I I will tell you this is a short one Uh, Chapter 5 is going to be a little bit more intense So i'm not going to delve into trying to get more in than we need to so this will be a little bit lighter today But let's pick this up with our from our father's heart as jim starts each one of these I call you to holiness but you are too busy to spend time with me. I call you to a crucified life, but you cannot die to yourself. I call you to present my son to those who are dead that they might receive his life, but you curse them in my presence. Can you not see how cold you really are? Can you not see how far you've strayed from my purpose for your life? Who are you saving by your actions? What are the purposes of your comings and goings? Whose agenda are you following and what is its end? Wake up. The harvest is white and the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. What are his purposes? What is his agenda? Pray for wisdom that you might see with his eyes and move with his heart. The time is short and much is to be done. Chapter 4 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The new BMW that had seemed so important to Tom that morning was somewhat out of place in light of the purity of what had happened throughout the day. With the front seats more than filled with the two men, Tom and Train made their way to Sally and the kids, who were waiting at Tom's home. Tom had called first to prepare his family for the grinning mountain by his side. Sally immediately insisted on having Train stay for at least a couple of days, and Tom agreed, thinking it would be good for Train. Fresh air, good food, and comfortable bed would be a welcome change to someone who lives like he does, they reasoned. Even after the countless stories Tom had told him about Sally, was not prepared to meet Train. Obviously, taken aback, she still greeted him enthusiastically. But gave Tom a shocked glance when she knew Train would notice, as he unfolded himself from the front seat of the car and ducked his head on his way through the front door to, to, the, to the to become the main object in every room he occupied. Train had finally arrived. Now Sally, Tommy, and Becky could see for themselves what Tom had been trying to explain all these months. As a family, the Brackens vacationed with Train in their home on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Events such as those that happened recently at Henderson's seemed to be everyday occurrences in the life of this surrendered vessel of God. Simple walks became spiritual journeys as the Lord led the hurting, the empty in the lap of luxury, and the hardened by life to his entrusted child, who was always available and obedient to share new life. Tom laughed out loud often as the children, so many children, found Train willing to be their mobile climbing tree, They, in mass, would hang from every accessible handhold and literally crawl on top of him until he could feign weakness and gently fall to the ground, to the delight of the giggling horde. Once train was on the ground, they would swarm after him until they were exhausted with joy from the tickling, struggling, and just plain foolishness. Timmy Carlson, a boy who had never said a word in his seven years, exclaimed to his parents Wednesday evening after a day of romping and storytelling by train. Jesus loves me, pointing to his chest. It seems that the Lord broke through years of being considered less important than work, travel, or things, and filled his heart and opened his mouth. All day Thursday, to anyone who would listen, Timmy was a waterfall of stories and expressions that he had saved all of his short life. Margaret Miller took the brace off of her small twisted leg to crawl around on the ground. In the spirit of the afternoon and in the heat of the chase, she ran, jumped, and scurried, only after the roar of life quieted to a normal din for children, did Fred Smithers yell, Hey Margaret, your leg ain't funny no more. In the midst of a stride, Margaret stopped, looked down, and said, Wow, Jesus must have touched it. He had, and everyone cried. Each encounter seemed to give Train new life, or somewhat impart to him the joy that he had missed himself as a child. He played as he loved and as he prayed. In absolute fullness, total abandon, and childlike endeavor, there was no reason other than God's reason, no encounter other than God's appointment, no situation other than God's desire to show himself to those involved. As far as train was concerned, D.L. Moody once said that he wondered what would happen in the life of someone totally sold out and surrendered to God. The Brackens were beginning to get a glimpse of what could happen. In three days, neighbors, some Tom and Sally had never seen, became friends. Cold relationships were warmed, and all were pointed to the sustainer of life and healer of their souls. Old Miss Grimshaw smiled for the first time after meeting Train and his lord. Many neighbors who had encountered her wrath for not mowing their lawns right or cutting the shrubs too short or picking flowers too early and not in full bloom were startled the first time she smiled. Mickey and Tornet much to the embarrassment of all pulled his mommy's dress as she was talking to Miss Grimshaw and loudly screamed i didn't even know she had any teeth tom sally tommy and becky were enraptured by their guest although train remained quiet unless he was asked a direct question there was never a hint of tension or uneasiness over the 3 days that train was with them an unquestionable friendship no more than that an alliance was made that defied human reason the simple love the holy peace that permeated this man of god left no room for formality or decorum it seemed the train was family in a very new sense of the word to the brackens even tommy and becky talked of making a part of their new house for train to live in forever but tom and sally somehow knew that that could not happen the ride to the thursday night church service was uneventful at least in light of the newness of life that had been found over the last few days one stop at a stoplight to bring a young man with purple hair to the Lord, an event that would have been enough for at least a few weeks of marveling at any other time, was only the circumstance to note. Upon arrival at His Holiness Christian Fellowship, an architectural marvel, given much press for its beauty and awe-inspiring design, things took on an unexpected turn. For the first time since their initial encounter, Tom noticed that train was somewhat uneasy. An unusual gloom seemed to come over him. Downcast, even morose, he sat and watched as the expensive, shiny, luxury automobiles parked and presented their proud, colorful cargo to those who had arrived before them. I'm going to sit here for a while, Train stated flatly. You just go on by yourselves. I'll come in after I talk with my father for a while. Honey, Tom said to Sally as they walked toward the front door. I never even noticed that he's wearing the same clothes that he had when he when he came. Do you think he's embarrassed about how he looks? I could kick myself for not being more sensitive. Lord, please forgive me. As we close this chapter, again, I said it was going to be a short one. I want to set you up for what's to come. You understand what's happening here. I, I, I think in your mind's eye, as you see the unraveling of this story... Train is someone who, as D.L. Moody said, what would it be like if someone fully sold out to God? Well, what would it be like for you if you gave 100%, I, I mean everything, completely surrendered? I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what God calls us to. But what would it truly look like? What would it truly be like if if we completely enraptured ourself with the Lord. This man spent several months going over a Bible. He read it from cover to cover, and he believed everything that was in it. Not only did he believe the stories of the, the characters in the Bible, but he believed what it said about him. He believes every word that was spoken by God to his spirit, and he's a new creation. Completely made new with an understanding of it's my task to share this with everybody I encounter, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to tell my story of redemption. It's by those two things that we overcome the enemy. Oh, there's much more to come I, I hope you're you're getting into this book. I love this, I love this story. It's going to get good. You may even get your hackles up every once in a while about what you're going to receive out of this. God's got something big coming. Listen closely. Let your heart be set on his things. Go back and listen to our Father's heart once again. He's calling us to a place of holiness. He's calling us to, to, to crucified life, giving our hearts completely to him so that we do the things that he has called us to do and that we move the way he wants us to move. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Rhonda and I are praying for you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Set yourself up. Tomorrow morning going to be good as well. God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.